0: title of today's sermon is We Are Family, if you've read your onwards. And I, I was very sorely tempted to play We Are Family by Sister Sledge. You have to be a certain generation to know about that one. And uh, But I thought, no, i better check the lyrics first. So I, I read the lyrics through, and actually there's one or two slightly not brilliant lyrics in there, so I don't know. I shall get told off if I do that. So I... Uh, I refrained, uh, but it would have been, a, the majority of the words there are brilliant about, uh, about family. And uh, a lot of what's been said this morning relates to family and I just want to look at family and what it means. Um, as we look around this world of ours and see what we're doing to family relationships in all spheres, governments are redefining the way in which families and relationships are brought about. More and more individuals are choosing to live together and bring up their children outside of marriage. More and more families are breaking up and children are spending divided time with both parents. And people are being bombarded with views about sexuality such that they don't really know who they are or what they believe. And perhaps more alarmingly, they're being taught that from an earlier and earlier age. And it's in our schools now. And there's not a lot we can do about it because the government are encouraging it to happen. But is that got what God intended when He created man and woman? There are two aspects to the title of our talk this morning, I believe. Excuse me, there's the human family, which God intended for the procreation of families to fill the earth, and there's the spiritual family, our relationship with God and with each other as Christians i look first of all at the human family and see what I believe God intended for it to be. There are those who would say nowadays that what I'm about to say is homophobic. But I believe that it is what God intended and what he told us in scripture to do. If we believe that scripture is the inspired word of God in its original form, which is what our statement of belief says, And if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God who came to earth to take our sin on his shoulders, then I believe we should be following what scripture has to say about family rather than some of the things which have become popular in recent years in society generally and also in some churches. So I want to look at scripture and see if we can identify God's desire for family living. We won't always get it right because we're human, and we fail sometimes. But that shouldn't stop us desiring to meet God's standards as best we are able to. Where does God begin? In Genesis 2, 21 to 24, we read this. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, He had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. As Christians, we believe that God created heaven and earth, as we are told in the story of Genesis. We also believe that he created the creatures and all living things on the earth and gave man dominion over them. We're told that in Genesis 1, and 29. We also believe, again, as we read in Genesis, that the union of man and woman would produce children to populate the earth. Genesis 3:16 to 20 and Genesis 4, 12 tell us that. We were made for relationships. For the intimate union of man and woman as husband and wife, for sacrificial caring love in families, for the rich stimulation of friendships. We were made to talk and listen, to think deep thoughts, to create beauty together and to work alongside each other as partners in the care of our children and of God's earth. This and many other things because we were made in God's image. Genesis 1:27. This, I believe, was God's intention when he created man and woman. The Bible is littered with little gems about family and children and relationships between husband and wife. And I want to take just a few minutes now to look at some of those biblical references. As parents, we are expected to bring our children up, providing for them and instilling good moral values into them proverbs twenty seven six says sorry proverbs twenty two six says train up your child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it psalm one two seven three and four say children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children born in ones youth. blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Much is expected of husbands and fathers in the Bible. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. For those of you who are married, is your love for your wife such that you would be prepared to die to protect her? In Colossians 3.19 and 21 we read, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh to them. And fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. It's a husband's responsibility to love and care for his wife, and not to be cruel or hurtful to her. Similarly, fathers are, encouraged, are to encourage and uplift their children, not discourage them and harm them physically or mentally, so that they are broken and low in spirit. Wives are equally mentioned. Proverbs 31, 28, 30 says, Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. If you're a husband or a child, Here's one to remember when you're thinking about your wife or your mum. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. Proverbs 31, 26. Something good to put into the memory bank, isn't it, Lynn? Children are also given instructions in the Bible. God wants to speak to all members of the family. And its stress is particularly respect for parents. Something, unfortunately, not always obvious in today's society. Proverbs one twenty eight says, Listen, my son, to your father's instructions, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Exodus 20.12 says, Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land of the Lord, in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And perhaps most famously of all, Jesus said when the disciples were turning away the children who were gathering around him as they saw it pestering him. Jesus said, let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hand on them, and blessed them. Children... We're extremely important to Jesus. So, as I said before, the family as a whole is extremely important to God. And in these days, when the family unit seems to be getting more and more fragile, what is it that the Bible says that binds it all together? The love of God. The love of God. God didn't just invent love, as I've said before. God is love. And as we saw earlier, we are made in the image of God. So then it's only logical that love is vital in our makeup. Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 tries to put into words what that God love is. And to an extent succeeds. But I'm pretty sure he didn't feel completely satisfied with what he'd written when he'd finished. Because God's love is so vast and awesome that no words that we can use are ever going to be adequate to describe it. And as we were told in Romans 8:26 in the Amplified Version, in the same way the Spirit comes to us and helps us in our weakness, we do not know what prayer to offer or how to offer it as we should, but the Spirit himself knows our needs and at the right time intercedes on our behalf with sighs and groanings too deep for words. I wonder if Paul, as he finished 1 Corinthians 13, as we know it, was assisted by the Holy Spirit with sighs and groans to express his innermost thoughts to God, too intense to express in human language. But this is what Paul did manage to write down and express in the best way that he could. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. God created us for relationship. Relationship with each other in loving family units, a mum, a dad, and children. Each loving and caring for and respecting each other. We don't always get it right, but God is eager to forgive and move us on rather than admonish us. We just need to ask with sincerity of heart when we do get it wrong. But most of all, God created us for relationship with him. He wanted that so much and loved us so much that he was prepared, following the fall of Adam and Eve and the severing of our intimate relationship with him, to send his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die And to take our sin upon his shoulders in order that that intimate relationship could be restored. And Jesus, having gloriously been raised from death and ascending to the right hand of the Father, is able to intercede on our behalf and bring us into God's presence one more. That is love in action. Well, that loving act brought us so much more as well. We have become children of God when we accept with sincerity the Lord Jesus as our saviour and believe on him in faith. Our relationship with God is to be higher than our relationship with our earthly families. First God and then my wife and children. Some people have been quite shocked when you tell them that. But it can be no other way. God created us in his likeness to love and worship him and that comes first. It doesn't mean we love our families any less but God comes first. What does loving God mean? What does being a child of God mean? Again it's a vast subject and we would quickly run out of words to describe it but there are some hints in the Bible that give us glimpses of what it means. Let's look at God's love first. Psalm 136:2 and 3 says give thanks to the god of gods for his steadfast love endures forever give thanks to the lord of lords his love endures forever for him to him who alone does great wonders his love endures forever Isaiah 41 says fear not for i am with you be not dismayed for i am your god I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's Isaiah 41.10. Ephesians 2.4 and 5 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And 1 John 4.10 says, This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And perhaps the most well-known passage of all, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And what does being a child of God mean? Being children of God. Because that's what the Bible tells us we are. Being a child of God is an exciting place to be. And here are just a few verses to get you going. John 1.12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Galatians 3.26 says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. You are a son or a daughter of God. That is an amazing thought. And Perhaps we ought to think more about it and what it actually means. Romans 8.16 and 17 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. You are a co-heir with Christ to everything that God has to give you. An even more amazing thought. Ephesians 1.5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing to himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. It gave him great pleasure to decide in advance to adopt us into his own family. God wanted to do it, and he delighted in doing it. Because you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, he has adopted you into his own family, and you are a co-heir with Christ to everything that God has for you. It's an amazing thought. 2 Corinthians six seventeen and 18 says, I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. God wants to be your father and to have you as his sons and daughters. That's just a small sample. There are many, many more. If you've got a computer or a tablet or whatever it is you've got, just Google God's love or being a child of God. And you'll get hundreds of references there. I've just picked a few of them out. But how can we receive these promises if we're not yet believing Christians? Matthew six thirty-three says this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Note it's need, not want, or desire, or wish for, as some in the world would tell you. And some in some churches would tell you. But everything you need. Seek God's kingdom. Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour with a sincere and contrite heart. And all of the above can be yours as well. They come as part of the package. Will it make life easier? Not always. God doesn't promise an easy passage. But he does promise he will be there with you every step of the way. He will never leave you nor forsake you. It's John 14 tells us that. Is it worth it? The Apostle Paul seems to think so. He tells us in Philippians 3, 7 to 11, having extolled the virtues he had in earthly terms, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a persecutor of Christians. He'd done and had all those things, been brought up in a good family. He got all those in earthly terms. Well, then he goes on to say, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, and because like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Are you a part of God's family? Are you a co-heir with Christ? Are you adopted... As God's son or daughter, if you're not, or if you're not certain, then perhaps the time to start thinking about it is now. And as more people become part of God's family and start to raise godly families of their own, then this world which God provided and we have scarred so badly might just start to heal itself again with God's help and blessing. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says this, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will i hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land 2 chronicles 7:14 there's a lot in there you've got to be called by god's name you've got to humble yourself and pray You've got to seek God's face with an earnestness. And perhaps most difficult in today's society, we've got to turn from our wicked ways. That's not only the world about us, but it's also us as Christians as well, because we're far from perfect. And God promises that if we do all those things, then he will hear from heaven and will forgive our sin and will heal our land. To message the church in this land and around the world needs to take on board. It's time for us to realize that we are sons and daughters of God and that we have privileges because of that. But perhaps most of all, that he will support us and care for us and love us as we stand for him. That doesn't always mean that life will be a bed of roses. As we've seen so many times, there is persecution of Christians around the world. We are very privileged in this country in not having a great deal of persecution. But around the world, there is huge persecution. And Christians are giving their lives daily for their faith. The last figure I've got is that there are 15,000 Christians a month who are becoming martyrs for their faith. So it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. We have got these brand new estates going up all around us. And we are praying and looking for vision in order to go onto to those estates and make a difference. Hopefully, you're not going to have to give up your life in order to be able to do that. But it will come at a cost. There'll be a cost in time. There'll be a cost in spending time praying about it. Because there's no point just going out there and knocking on a door and hoping. You need to put prayer into it before we go. We need to pray about the right materials to take out there that are going to impact those people as we reach out to them. You need to pray for John as he carries forward the vision of this church. Nick spent 20 years building up this church and creating a vision for it. I've spent 12 years, I think it is, carrying on that vision and bringing it to the place where it is now. John is now God's appointed one to carry the vision of this church forward. We need to get behind him. We need to pray for him and for Jill as they take on that responsibility because it is a huge responsibility. It has lots of privileges and you get lots of blessing from it, but it's hard work, I know from personal experience. Not that I'm blaming anyone here for it, It, it's just a reality of what goes on. So we need to pray for John and Jill as they take that on. In fact, we'll do that now because we need new family to come into this place. And we need people that aren't yet family to come into this place so that we can preach God's word to them. And bring them in to a relationship with him through the Holy Spirit. Otherwise this building in ten or fifteen years is going to be empty again. We came into this building empty and we had a real belief that God brought us here for a purpose. As many of you know, we were given the building free of charge. But well, that brought a responsibility with it. As Phyllis with praying, we've now got a lot of community groups who use the building. And we reach out to the community in a lot of ways. But God's not finished with this building yet. He's got other things for it to do and for us as people within it to do. And we need to be thinking about that. And we need to be thinking about what we can do individually and as a church family to bring that about. And John is the man who has been chosen to carry that vision forward. And I just let's just pray about that because it's important that we cover him and Jill in prayer. And we ask God to look after them. Let's just pray that now. Father, we do lift John and Jill to you. Father, we thank you that you've placed them in this church. Father, we thank you that you have made it possible for John to go through a process whereby he will be ordained. And that he will then have, or before then, have the responsibility of the spiritual life and well-being of this church upon his shoulders. Father, I just ask that you would make that a light thing to carry, that you would walk alongside them, that you would uphold them, that you would encourage them, that you would give them wisdom and discernment to move this church forward to the place where you want it to be. Uh, Father, I pray for us as a congregation, Lord, that we would help and support them in every way we can, rather than be a hindrance to them. Uh, Father, we would yeah Father, we would just take the opportunity to raise them in prayer at whenever we can. Because they need our love and support. And they need your blessing upon their ministry. Our Father, you have said that wherever there is unity, you will command a blessing. So help us to be a united family behind them. And that through that, a blessing will come about. How can we encourage one another in bringing all this about? It tells us in the Bible, do not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. We need to meet together on a regular basis on a Sunday. A lot of churches around the country, the numbers are dropping off one by one and people are stopping coming to church. I just want to share a picture which is as old as the hills but it's still as relevant today as it has ever been. Coal fires, hopefully you'll still all remember them. And in a coal fire, when you put the coal on, it burns up and each piece of coal encourages the piece of coal next to it to heat up and get warm. And it's a well-known scientific fact that if you use the tongs and remove one of those embers from the fire and just put it at the side on the hearth, that ember will cool down and die far more quickly than the fire itself where all of the other embers are together and encouraging one another. That's what happens in Christian life. If you choose to move away from the church and try and live your Christian life by yourself, Yes, for a while it will happen, but slowly, or perhaps not so slowly, the embers will cool, and your Christian life will cool, and it will not do you any good, because you need family around you, Christian family, to love you, to encourage you, to support you, and to teach you more about the Word of God. You know, the amazing thing is, if you pick that ember back up again, even though it's gone cold and dark, put it back in the fire very quickly it will restore the heat which it had I've been through that experience Uh, I was 16 years in the wilderness as some of you will know and uh, it wasn't a pleasant place to be but I was stubborn and God called me several times during that 16 years to come back and be part of his family and I refused but eventually he got me me, and I came back and I'm here today as a witness to it, we need the love and support of our Christian family around us. And to do that, we need to come to church and be encouraged and be supported and be loved. Amen.
1: i just reiterate what Paul has said, because all the love and care I have received over the last few months, in fact, over the last 15 years since I've been here, I don't know what I would do without you all. And as I say, it's just been so overwhelming and I would also like to thank you all for the generous donations you gave, both to NCF and to Cancer Research. And may God bless you all.
2: i just like to come um, and share. Um, the Lord's been talking to me or speaking to me about um, entering into a covenant with him to seek his faith and to yearn for Jesus more and with all my heart and to, so I can desire him more with all my heart and soul. And I felt like it was, um, I've got this scripture that sort of related to it, it's from Job. It's one I've never really read before. But when I read it, it just really spoke to my heart. And it was, um, I'm just reading it out to encourage you, really. It says, um, Acquaint yourself with, with the Lord. Show yourself. Um, Submit to, to the Lord um, and, and um, be at peace with him. Um, receive his law. I'm just paraphrasing it. Receive the law of the Lord and instruction from his mouth and you'll establish his words in your heart. Um, and then he said to me, return to the Almighty and humble, submit and, and humble myself before him. Um, and he said, if I remove unrighteousness from my tent and um, just honor him and put him before anything else, before all the precious gold and silver, is what it says here in Scripture. But the reason, what, what really struck me as well, it's from um, Job 22 right down to the end, but what really struck me was what it said at the end where it says... Um, if we do, if I do all those things, if I submit and let him be the Lord of my life and everything, it says he will even rescue the one for who is not innocent, and he will rescue them through the cleanness of my hands. So it just encouraged me that if I pray and if I do all those things, the people that I'm praying for, they'll get saved, because God will hear my prayer and save my family and my friends that need Jesus. So it's just an encouragement for us to do those things, it's from Job 22, right to the end. It's a really
1: amazing scripture. I've never come across it before, but just encouraging you. I just promised myself if there was a time to ask, then I would say, share. I mean, that's been so lovely. Ladies, thank you. Lynn, Paul, thank you. That was so lovely. All of this morning was so lovely. And um, when you said, have a time to give to God what you can't do. I had loads of I can't, I can'ts came up. But that's not it's not the I can't and I've given it to him. It's that when we last came here, there were many more I can'ts. And just to tell you that um, two of the issues that were going on, one was our house was squatted, the women just walked out, and we've now re-rented it. And um, the situation at my home is a lot better it's not perfect, whose home is perfect, but it's a lot better. Um, but in it, I just wanted to really wanted to share why in South Africa we had more peace than we would have if this hadn't been going on, which was a lady, friend, who in the end, she said, You know, we're more than family. There's the three of us. So she's, um, because she, she put these ladies into our house. And she said, I'm taking for by mistake. It, maybe it wasn't even a mistake because we've grown a lot from it. God's funny. You know, he doesn't, it isn't normal things going really well where we, where we grow. It's when they don't go well that actually we see him. And um, so she, she recommended these two ladies who walked, moved into our house and wouldn't pay and wouldn't move. But eventually, one day, they just left. Amazing. That was the prayer. That was the power of prayer so that in our can'ts, The prayer changes things, and God can move. He can do anything. Um, But the the lady, uh, her name's Sonia, and um, she said, I'm taking full responsibility for this. And she did, because we got voicemails every day. We knew everything that was going on. She did every single thing that came into her head, everything that came into my head, everything she handled, right up to the point of finding the next tenants and interviewing people, and saying, well, my heart, and I feel God, that this is the people. They're not paying so much money, but they're going to paint the place. The point is, the leadership in her, because she's a leader, she's got, um, she runs a house of hope for battered wives, basically, for 15 years, and she's a leader. The leadership in her covered every single bit of it, like Paul covers every single bit of it, and in. Every single bit of their leadership, they go the more than 100 miles, more than the extra mile. They go extra because that's what leadership and their integrity and their commitment with God. And we're all leaders, actually. We've always got our own influence, our own family, our friends, whatever it is, we're all leaders. And it's just going that extra bit. And I just want to add about this woman. She does it from a wheelchair. She, she was born with cerebral palsy. Didn't stop her, became a social worker, drove, everything like that. Last 10 years, physically debilitating. And elephantitis in her feet. Do you need any more? You know, the muscles have gone, the hips gone, too much pain, Too mu- muscles in such a bad situation, the specialist can't even operate on the hip. And then finally succumbed to a wheelchair about two weeks ago because he um, had to. So... She did it in spite of all that, and I just ask if you have any time anywhere to just pray for, for Sonia, a healing. Wouldn't it be one? I, our, our prayer is she walks through that time, walks through that town upright? Because everybody knows Sonia, you know, is in a wheel, is you know, is debilitated physically, not mentally or spiritually. But anyway, so um, yeah, I, I really, I did want to share it. I did want to put Sonia in there to you. And, and also, the, 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 the response, when you take responsibility for something, whatever it might be, it covered everything. You know, you don't let go and hand it, sit down with it. And, and that responsibility is not just you doing it, it's that praying. It's, it's, it's giving it to God. Anyway, thanks. God's laid on my heart.
3: A prayer from 1 Chronicles 4, chapter 9. Most people skip over the beginning part of 1 Chronicles because it's a list of all unpronounceable name, names until you get to verse chapter 4, verse 9, and it says, Jabez was more honourable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to, the Lord, to God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Now, I've been praying that on and off over the last month. And since then, God has brought in people to the vine with problems and they've wanted to share and I've been able to help them and pray for them and he hasn't brought people in for me to share with for a long long while and I think we should be praying this over our neighbourhood we need to enlarge our tents into the new estates